This episode of Brain Injury Today was funded by the Fred Hutchinson Office of Community Outreach and Engagement and the Partnership for the Advancement of Cancer Research and produced by Goal 17 Foundation. Your risk of any side effect from a vaccine is much, much, much less than potential impact of getting COVID-19. Welcome to another episode of Brain Injury Today, your connection to the brain injury community. I'm Deborah Crawley, Executive Director for the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington, and we're really happy today to have our former board member, Jeannie Hoffman with us. Jeannie is a professor in the Department of Rehab Medicine at the University of Washington Medical Center. And she is also the director for the Traumatic Brain Injury Model Systems, also housed in the University of Washington. We are gonna be vaccine myth busters. And really, we're gonna look to Jeannie's expertise and, and go through a few questions that have come up We really want to um, make sure folks have information, are able to get the vaccine, and feel confident about getting the COVID-19 vaccine. I know I am. I got mine, and I feel good, and I feel confident. Jeannie, welcome back, and thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, happy to come talk about it. This is certainly not, I'm not an expert in this, but uh, definitely have lots of conversations with our uh, population who come through rehabilitation medicine. Because I think this group is um, especially concerned about both the vaccine and about how to protect themselves. So um, I I think um, it's it's something that comes up a lot. So, um, and I'm just going to look to the experts uh, for to, you know, pass along what I've been learning. Yeah. So you, you work with the folks every day, you're, you're in tune with this, you are a researcher by trade. So um, again, uh, it's, it's really important. And, and similarly, uh, here at the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington, we answer a lot of calls, we work with a lot of individuals. And I think that's why we just want to have an informational piece that we can make available to really kind of broadly answer questions versus trying to do it all one by one. Yeah, and I think so, it's a great idea. Yeah. So we'll just start easy of why should people get vaccinated? Yeah, I think the thing that I think about it and talk about it as, it's yet another tool in your toolkit to protect you. Um, so getting vaccinated um, adds a layer of protection along with wearing a mask, maintaining social distance, um, and uh, washing your hands and, and all of those kind of pieces. And so um, it's another thing that will add um, more uh, protection to you so that you can open your world up a little bit more. Right. That's a really good way of looking at it. I like having this new tool in my toolbox. Yeah. So after someone is vaccinated, and you just mentioned this, does this mean prevention actions such as social distancing and wearing masks are no longer necessary? So really, we can't get there yet. We have to think about it as all of our tools and using them every day all the time, because until 
almost everybody is vaccinated. Everybody who can be vaccinated is vaccinated. We're not going to be to the point where we can just not have all of these tools. Um, now, if people are vaccinated and they're with other people that are vaccinated and they feel good about that, they can be without social distancing and without masks. But to be out in public or be out um, in the world, you still need to use all of your tools. Yeah, and I think that's a piece about why get vaccinated to me is at least with my smaller circle of family who have also now all been vaccinated, it does open that door a little more and one, the ability to see them and two, the ability to see them, of course, and feel super safe and to be able to hug and to do those things. So we all need more hugs. We all need more hugs. This is all about hug empowerment, but- Again, how do we do it safely? So, yeah, so absolutely. again, until, you know, new, new data comes out, as you said, in social, social situations, keep that mask and keep that social distancing and mm-hmm. um, keep it all going until we know for sure. Yeah. So, and this is an interesting one that um, has been asked, and I know a little, but I love hearing from the science and researchers. Does the vaccine contain the live virus? Right. No, it doesn't. So the, you know, I'm not going to try to even touch on the complexities because I'm certainly not. Yeah. It's a a new tech. It's a new, it it is new in a way. I mean, it's that. Yeah. Opportunities that uh, the, you know, the ones that Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines are ones that are a newer type, but those have been under development for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's they were able to pivot and make it happen um, for the uh, COVID vaccine, COVID vaccine, but they don't, none of them have the live virus. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. put you at risk for getting COVID. Um, What it might do is trigger symptoms that are similar because your body's learning to recognize and fight what would be um, the COVID virus if it came into your body after you're vaccinated. So yeah, no live vaccine. And if people want to look at a lot of the details about this, the CDC website has some great information about all the details. And UW Medicine also has just some brief overview information uh, that you can look at if you go to washington.edu and just type in COVID vaccine. There's some a lot of great information there as well. We'll make sure to have those in our show notes today for folks to be able to check out both of these resources. So the next question is an interesting one because honestly, I did not know that this, and I will call this a myth, um, that this was even out there until I was communicating with some friends in Wisconsin and they mentioned it to me. And I'm like, what? And I think that's part of it is, is there's so much out there, so much misinformation that you can't even keep track of all of that. So thank you again for being here to try to just like nail down um, what is true and accurate. So the question is, um, can COVID-19 vaccines change the DNA of a person? Yeah, no, it doesn't. I think, um, you know, this has been the hardest part for, uh, I think, all of us who work in the medical field and work in research and science is helping people to understand how this misinformation um, gets out there, but also kind of bringing it back to be reassuring. So know the third arm that you're going to grow or becoming a zombie. These are things that I've heard people (laughs) say, these are not things that are happening. Um, And certainly even people who were a little worried, like 
there's millions and millions and millions of people now who have had right. both vaccines since right. December. And um, it's it's really not happening. Trust me, this would come out <laughs> if yes. there was anything like yes. that. But, but no, yes. this is the way these vaccines are designed are not to change. They're just to teach our bodies how to mount our immune response, right? Right. So it's just right. that approach. Right. How to how to get those internal guys going to make sure we're ready. That's, right. That's what I like. I like my little body to be able to take it on. So um, thank you. And, and like I said, that, that I think this list that we're going through will never be everything. I think that's a very good example of something I had not even heard of until a few months ago well, like a month ago and in conversations with friends across the country. So that is how things unfortunately spread too. But there are concerns that this vaccine was developed so quickly. Mm -hmm. And how do we know that it is safe? Yeah, I totally get that because I think everybody was a little like, oh my gosh, this is happening. It's brand new. Um, but the reality is, is that the this variant of the coronavirus is new, but there has been coronavirus mm, that right. has been out there for a long time. And mm -hmm. so that's really where um, there's been development of vaccines for similar types of coronavirus mm -hmm. that had been already in the works. And so basically what happened is, you know, about 10 years of research got pivoted and into this new variant. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what allowed it to move ahead so quickly. There's still a lot that we have to learn about the dosages and how far apart the two vaccines or which is different. You know, there's obviously new ones that are coming mm -hmm, out and there the will variants. be even more, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to have a whole toolkit of vaccines down the road. Mm -hmm. um, but that's why we were able to move so quickly to a yeah. vaccine. Um, and so it's been fantastic. Um, and then, you know, they've done, they did those safety tests, like right as soon as they had this. So they were able to pivot fairly quickly. Um, and they did the testing that they needed to do. And while we know that it's been given emergency approval, mm -hmm. all of this will give us more and more data to really understand going forward, all of the those details about kind of who, if somebody's going to have a reaction, who might have that reaction, those kind of things. Yeah, I um, I have a friend who happened to take a job probably a year or two ago, doing quality control for studies for phase three trial studies, mm -hmm. and she did end up being one of the folks to help manage the um, trials for Moderna. Mm -hmm. And God bless her. I mean, yeah. she was traveling across the country, California, Mississippi, um, early on, of course, when they were in trial and really getting those. And, and I think that's another thing I do. And I, I, you know, the number of people that they 30,000 people that they all both studies recruited separately is a huge number. Yeah. And they, they were able to do it, but they were working very diligently. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I think we if, all need to be yeah, thankful. Any trial needed to have a lot of oversight and to show that yeah. they did it right. This yeah. is, these are the trials, right? Yeah. So I think there's been so much scrutiny um, over the data and over the trials. And I think that, you know, people heard that of like, just because it was approved, like in the UK, the US still wanted to do their own review of data, right. their own review. 
um, of, you know, kind of what the findings were before the FDA gave yeah. emergency approval. Yeah. Um, so, you know, certainly this is not done just as a, like, let's quickly, but it needed to happen quickly for, to protect our population. Right. Right. But there, it was, there was a lot of hard work going on. And I just know from her own travel schedule and just those folks were, um, out there making it happen. And, uh, it was an exceptional effort of a lot of individuals really, um, thankfully coming together. Yeah. So, so what are some of the side effects of the vaccine? Yeah. So the ones that um, I think most people have that I hear about the most are, you know, that injection site pain, you know, your arm just kind of aches and maybe if you're lifting it or something, it, it hurts a little bit more. Um, a lot of people report things like fatigue and headache, um, mm-hmm. kind of that achy joint muscle pain that happens. Um, you know, a lot of the things are similar to what the symptoms are for COVID. Um, and so, you know, that's not uncommon to have those and you just need to wait for, you know, like 24 to 36 hours. And if they go away, that's probably vaccine related. Um, we see that there's, um, more side effects after the second dose. If you take the, one of the Moderna or Pfizer that has the two dosages, uh, younger people tend to have more, uh, immune response mm-hmm. than older people. Um, my 90 year old mother, when she had it, she didn't even notice either one. She's like, Oh yeah, I had my vaccine. It's fine. I'm like, Oh, are you tired? Any fatigue? No, I have okay, the immune well, system of your 90 year old mother, Jeannie. Cause I <laughs> two things. One, I had had shoulder surgery and I got it in my left arm and my arm already hurt. And I'm like, well, I can't tell if it's the shoulder surgery or the Pfizer, um, doesn't matter. And then, yeah, I really, I really had very few. So yes, I decided I've, I've had a number of operations and a few things, but yeah. so I feel like, yeah, I'm old. I had the old <laughs> immune system because my, yeah, my, my, um, I got Pfizer in my family. Um, my son got Pfizer, who's quite young because he's mm-hmm. working in manufacturing mm-hmm. and uh he didn't have many side effects my husband had a, was tired and that's all just a little tired yeah. with the moderna and i've heard it more with that so yeah but phenomenal i mean yeah. exactly so nominal so yeah. and uh, you know i've heard people who've had like you know more upset stomach or nausea, Mm. you know, Mm. but, but again, I think that even the people that I've heard of who've had more significant symptoms, they really only lasted for that, you know, couple of days and then they feel better. And I think one of the things that I've loved to hear is people are like, yes, it's my immune system learning how to fight. Um, and so taking that tact is also like, can help with the reducing worry about it too, of like Mm -hmm. recognizing this is kind of your body's way of mm-hmm. kind of building up the ability to fight it if you yeah. do get it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, definitely it shouldn't stop people from getting it. Yeah. Um, are there any reasons not to receive the vaccine? So I think all in all, if you have any concerns or questions, you should mm-hmm. talk to your doctor. Absolutely. 
So I think that's the number one thing is that you Mm -hmm. should talk to your doctor about what your concerns are and whether or not you might fall into some category, right? So we know that people who have um, a lot of allergies, you should probably talk to your doctor first, because if you've ever had an anaphylactic reaction, like they'll want to talk to you about whether or not you should have the vaccine. So what does anaphylactic mean? So when you have a really extreme allergic reaction where you can't breathe and Oh, right. Yeah. So all like of my those, daughter was shellfish. Yes. Or like yes. people have it with BC. Right? So where you have yes. to have your EpiPen. Yeah. So if you are prescribed an EpiPen, then you probably should go and talk to your doctor about what you should think about it. Yeah. Vaccine. And I think that's the best point, right? Because the good news is the doctors have more guidance now. So they're going to have more guidance on everything. And as you know, again, millions, I think 300 million shots have been given of one kind or another here in the country, in the US. They have more guidance. And I think everyone wants this to be the safest for everyone, you know, so and and there, as you said, and that is the nice thing about having a few different options is there's different tools to support different individuals. And the the doctors have really um, the best person to ask some of those questions and just be open with your your own medical history. Mm-hmm. This is another one. And I actually talked when I was getting my first um, vaccine shot, I actually talked to the healthcare provider there about, uh, can I take aspirin or Tylenol before my vaccine or should I take it afterwards? Yeah, and I, I, I will tell you what he said that the study that because this came up too with some folks, he said it was a very, very small study. Yes. And so there was nothing that really showed it being something not to do. So he said he was, he's, he thought that they needed to do a larger study to see. And I haven't seen any more information on this, like from, you know, now that so many folks, you know, kind of that anecdotal of folks who did or didn't, I don't know if you have or haven't, but yeah, I mean, I think that with so many things, we probably need more data. I think yeah. that in general, given the fact that you individually don't know what your reaction is going to be and the mm-hmm. reaction between first and second is different, mm-hmm. you know, I think in general, like talk to your doctor if you have some concern about wanting to take medication ahead of time, but really it might be best to wait and see what your reaction is. And then you could use yeah. pain relievers after if you do have pain, I think, um, you know, I, I really, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, if you don't have a reaction, then you've probably taken something you don't need anyway. So, right. Right. Yeah. I think the one thing that they do say is don't have another vaccine within two weeks of this. Right. So if you're needing to oh, get a vaccine, right. like a tetanus update mm-hmm. or something like that, mm-hmm. or flu shot, they wanted you to wait at mm-hmm. least two weeks in between those to give your body, your immune response time right. to kind of be focused on one thing instead of trying to do two at the same time. So I think that's the only kind of restriction or recommendation that I've seen that they've really, yeah. Um, they've tried to really encourage people not. Yes. To do that. that is one of the questions. And that is, yeah, when you're site, when you're getting it, they don't want you to, mm-hmm. I think it is, you don't want your poor, your body doesn't need to be multitasking. Right. Um, this is what I know the answer to. And I think it's a, I think it's an interesting one now. Can I choose which vaccine I get? So up until now, they've, everybody's just recommended getting the vaccine that's available. Right. So whichever one's available, get it. I think that, right. you know, as we move forward, there may be some more choice available, but again, I think, you know, um, what, 
what I feel like is I haven't heard anything that says you shouldn't pick one over the other. Um, And so getting whatever is available, um, I think depending on where you live, there's more or less uh, vaccine available. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I think that's somewhat up to you. Um, If you, again, have a question, definitely talk to your doctor um, about like, if there's some question about choosing, yeah, yeah, reach out to your doctor and, and you guys can discuss that. Yeah. Talk to your medical provider and get guidance there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did. I took whichever one came first. I was like, yeah. sign me up. Yeah. Um, can I take more than one type of vaccine? Yeah. So they don't recommend that because they haven't done any research on that. They're different things. And so if you start with Pfizer, get your second with Pfizer. If you start with Moderna, you get your second with Moderna. If you do the Johnson and Johnson one and done, um, you only need one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's discussion about will boosters like the flu shot be needed? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're working on that data right now. So we'll know more, um, you know, in the fall probably yeah. about whether boosters are going to be needed. Um, and if that's the case, then they'll probably come out with some recommendations about whether you need the booster within the one you got or whether there's other options at that point. But yes. at this point, whatever you get, you should get that as the second. And get the second. So that's one thing because there was a a little research and again, a very, very small amount. And if people get a, if the people got their two vaccines in different places, they're, they're not quite sure if they're catch capturing those, but absolutely get both of your shots. If you're getting Moderna or Pfizer, that is the only way to ensure the efficacy that we saw in these larger trials. And I really do want to, um, get your perspective on why we're trying to get everyone vaccinated. So from the science perspective, in layman's terms, why is it so important for as all of us who can to get vaccinated? Yeah, I think the big thing is, well, two of them, one is Mm -hmm. for you and one is for everyone else. Right. Um, So for you, the reason that I really think and the science tells us is that your risk of any side effect from a vaccine is much, much, much less than potential impact of getting COVID-19. We still don't, and it's going to be years, I think, before we know who is who is having difficulty with the COVID-19 infection, right? So Mm -hmm. um, who are the people that are going to have bad outcomes? Who are the people that are going to have mild to moderate symptoms? Um, Mm -hmm. We have a very, very busy post-COVID clinic um, that's actually based as a joint venture between internal medicine and rehabilitation medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so we're seeing a lot of people in what they're calling long haulers. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are not just people who are in ICUs intubated. This is people with mild symptoms, even people who didn't get any kind of major medical care that are still having, you know, cognitive fatigue, all of these symptoms months and months after their infection. And so we don't know who that is. So for you to protect yourself, right, get the vaccine that will help you to reduce your chances of getting COVID. It doesn't take them away hundred percent, which is why we have the toolkit, Mm -hmm. Um, but it reduces the chances and it reduces the severity of infection when Mm -hmm. you do get infected. Mm -hmm. And so definitely get the, for yourself. 
the reason to do it for other people is all of these variants that are coming um, that will actually protect other people as well. And plus, if you can't get it, if your chances reduce, then other people, there will always be people in our society, just like any vaccine, that can't get that because of their own personal health risk, mm-hmm. right? And right. so to protect all those people who can't be vaccinated because right. of something else that's going on. And yeah. so we all want to get what we can get. And this is, you know, so that we can protect other people who can't get it. Um, so I think those are, you know, for yourself, definitely. And for other people, right for the larger good. And yeah, I mean, really trying to cut it off at its knees, aren't we now we're just trying to clamp down to to get it to where it cannot be transmitting these variants and all of these things, which will, you know, just make it a, a longer haul, we are trying to shorten this up. And everyone who's getting vaccinated has helped to make that happen. And I really, I felt very patriotic when I went, I really felt like I was part of a large national effort, like I was doing it with community members, I actually on my second shot, um, I was waiting my time that they want you to wait afterwards to make sure you don't have any um, adverse, you know, quick reaction. And I looked next to me, and it was uh, one of our community members and who happened to be sitting next to me. I don't know why she was there, but, but it was really, it was, it was important to see, you know, and it was like, boy, yeah, we're just, it's just a community and I'm helping my community at large. I'm helping the brain injury community who I work with daily. Um, but it's, uh, it's an important thing that we're doing together. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's, um, you know, I think we're all tired of this kind of social distancing and masking and I know people are sick of it and, and it's, and I totally get it. Like I feel it. Um, but yet like we're not there yet. And I no, think if we're we so can close. get there, yeah. um, we, that'll be fantastic. Right. Yep. Um, and I also think, you know, we, science is, you know, this year has just been like, to me, just this beautiful display of how amazing science can be yep. and how like, we'll know more in two mm-hmm. months and six months mm-hmm. and a year. And in five years, we're going to know more and more and more. And that's all wonderful. Um, but we don't, we don't want to wait because waiting can actually lead to more and more of these variants. Right. Um, and, and especially as we start moving around more, those variants will come into the United States if they haven't been here already and new ones can be created within that right. exactly. alone. So, exactly. so I think that, uh, you know, all of those pieces tell us that, uh, you know, we do what you can, um, and know that if you can't keep, keep masking, keep social distancing and keep washing your hands. Right. Well, thanks, Jeannie. And I think our, our closing thoughts here today are a couple things are one. Yes. Get vaccinated. It's if you can, if you have questions, talk to your medical provider. And if you have any um, difficulties in just making an appointment, uh, please know that uh, the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington, for those in our community, is happy to help you navigate that one-on-one. And I'm going to say thank you, Jeannie. I feel like I've learned a lot, and I really hope this supports our community in their their decision-making. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brain Injury Today. If you want to get in touch with our guests, 
You can find their information in the show notes for this episode. And be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. Give us a rating, share with your family and friends, and thank you for listening. You can find support by calling the resource line at 877-982-4292 or visiting BIAWA.org. Remember, you are never alone, and we will see you again on the next episode of Brain Injury Today.